Louie, I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Rose? Where we're going, we don't need Rose. No. I am your father. The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. You're listening to After the Ending, the only film podcast where we tell you what happens after the ending of your favorite films. And now, here are your hosts, Mike Spring and Phil Edwards. Hello, 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 and welcome to After the Ending. I'm Mike Spring. And I'm Phil Edwards. And tonight we are here to bring you a brand new episode filled with thrills and hijinks, or at least some good old-fashioned movie conversation. Yeah, there's going to be a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and who knows what else. <laughs> so what I love about you, Phil, is your, your unbridled ability to sell things with vim and vigor. There's a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and maybe some other stuff. And it's going to be at least... Uh... Right, right, right. Don't oversell it, Phil. I don't want people to get too excited, and then we can't deliver. You know what I'm saying? No, you see, you, you got to temper expectations. So then it's going to be, it's going to be zip right. boom to Und the moon. Under promise and over deliver. I, I, I get it. I feel like that's yeah. a very, though. I feel, I, I maybe I'm stereotyping, but I feel like it's a very British thing. A little bit of that reserved British nature, kind of, isn't that sort of a thing? Right. Yeah, it could well be. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> right. I'm the loud, obnoxious yank. And you're the reserved, proper British guy, right? You said it. You said it, not me. <laughs> wow. All right. That didn't take long. Okay. <laughs> uh, well, Phil, why don't you tell people what we are discussing in tonight's episode? Yes. Well, tonight we're going to be going after the ending of Akira, the uh, the animated film. Uh, as you can see, I've got the first volume of the the, uh, the manga. But uh, cool. as, we, as we talk about films, we're just focusing on the film. So before you start going, hey, it did carry on in the comics. We know that, but we're dealing with the film and what happens after that. And then we'll be uh, discussing sequel names, why lots of them suck and why some of them are pretty good and things like that. We'll just see how that one goes. And then we'll be talking about our top five films we last watched. So that could be a mix of anything, everything. We've got to be totally honest with what it was. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, and also, we'll be recommending a few things like we usually do. All right. It sounds like a jam-packed episode. I like it. Um, so, yeah, we're going to kick things off with our, our after the ending for um, 1988's Akira, uh, which was uh, pretty much a groundbreaking anime film. Um, I think a lot of, it, you know, at this by this point, a lot of people, I think, have seen it. It maybe isn't the type of film everyone in the world has seen, but I think a lot of people in, in non-Japanese audiences have seen the film by now in home video, you know, in theatrical re-releases. You know, it's, it's really, a, I think, a, the very definition of a, a cult classic that was also kind of a phenomenon. Would you say that's accurate, Phil? Yeah, I think so as well. It still, it still blows me away. It's 1988. Right. Because I it's... I've seen it. I went to see it at the cinema a few years back when it was had one of those re-releases being cleaned up a thing, I think. And it was just it's still an amazing piece of animation, still an amazing film. Uh, it's just and it's yeah, it's probably one of the uh, the those anime. It's probably one of the most well-known anime movies out there because people who even aren't fans of anime in general are probably aware of the film and may mm -hmm. even enjoy this one. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, well, how do you, how do you, uh, I mean, you've got the, the, the manga volume there, obviously. How do you feel about uh, Akira as, as a movie? 
I, I, I think it's a, I think it's an excellent movie. It really, it's always, I think it was one of the first anime films I did see, to be honest. Mm-hmm. But I'd always heard about it, then eventually got to see it. It's got some iconic images. I mean, it's even from the poster, uh, but to, uh, the, I mean, the bike. So many things. I, I always feel it loses a little bit of steam or loses its way a little bit near the end. It gets a little bit confusing, maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, but on, on rewatch, you sort of pick it up a bit. But it can. It's 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 one of those ones. It's just. I remember as well being in a nightclub years ago when it was playing on a on all the video screens. There was no. It was just the music playing, but you kept seeing it was the whole film just playing through. Probably highly illegal at the time for them to do that. But it was one of those ones, you could, and you could see those groups of people watching, having a drink. They go off and dance, come back, and then, and then just be watching it, and you could see just people getting drawn into it. What right. about you? What do you think? Feel about the film? You know, overall, I like it. I have a bit of a complicated history with it. I feel like I said that a lot on this show. Um, yeah. You know, I, I didn't see it right when it came out. But when I was a teenager was when the comics were being published by um, by Epic, a, a Marvel imprint. And I had every issue all the way up through the end, many of which are really hard to find now. And then they got stolen from me, so I don't have them anymore. But um, I, 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 at the time, it was one of my, my favorite comics ever. I thought the artwork was amazing. I loved the story. I, I really just thought it was mind-blowing. Um, and then the movie had been out, but I saw it on, on, um, I think I saw it on a video. I think maybe I saw it in the theater and like one in a re-release or something like that. But, um, I really did. I mean, I was blown away by the animation, the look of it. I love the characters. You know, I love this bringing of, of these characters to life, Kaneda and Tetsuo and Kei yeah, um, yeah. that I've been reading about, but it is weird. It's a weird movie. It just gets weirder as it goes. And the ending is slightly incomprehensible. I think to most Western audiences, it, it, it gets confusing by the end. Um, and it's, it's interesting because the manga does expand the story. In the original comics, the story is so much broader and so much longer. And there's so much more to it. And they really pared it down for the movie. Um, and so I like the movie, but then I went back and reread the comics a few years ago when they published those volumes that you have. And I found it not as I didn't have the same experience I had when I read it as a teenager. So I don't know. I don't even know what I think about Akira anymore, to be honest with you at this point. It's like <laughs> every time I experience it, I have a different experience. So sometimes I think it's the most brilliant thing ever. Sometimes I think it's highly overrated. Sometimes I love it. Sometimes I like it. Sometimes I'm like, man, I can live with it without it. Doing this after the ending made me realize I need to rewatch it. It's been several years since I've seen it. So I'm like, all right, that's my mission. Like tonight, I'm going to rewatch Akira and sort of see how I feel about it this yeah, week. Yeah. But it could be very different next week, you know. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I think I understand what you're getting at there. Uh, it's, it, it is, it's, uh, at, at the very least, it's, a, it's, it's an amazing piece of animation. But yeah, the story itself, the ending as well is one of those ones that puts me in mind of a 2001: A Space Odyssey. The yes. end it gets, it just, it's mind expanding and it's got many different interpretations. But at a basic level, you could, you know, you'd be, it, it'd be okay if you did go what? And, yeah, uh, just like the reaction. Yeah. I, I admittedly am more of a concrete thinker when it comes to stuff like that. I like my movie endings to just sort of make sense and wrap things up neatly in a bow. And I realize that not everybody requires that for their films, and that's fine. But like 2001 is a perfect example for me. I love 2001. I think it's brilliant until the last 15 minutes. And then I'm like, what the crap am I watching right now? Like, what is even happening here? And it totally, I don't want to say it ruins it for me. Yeah. <laughs> I don't say it ruins the whole movie for me, but it, it certainly hours me on it it would be one of those movies i think i'd probably watch like every couple of years because it's so visually amazing and so so interesting and it's you know and then the ending comes along and i'm just like well what did i just watch that for you know um and i think akira does have a little bit of that but again i need to rewatch it and we'll see what happens so. yeah 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 i also remember as well there's lots of times in the past with friends where one of us goes tetsuo can yeah, right. like yeah. on and on like that 
Exactly. Yeah. Or the, the we used to do a big when, when we saw it back in seniors, we'd always go, eh, huh? Yeah, because that's like they're like sort of like, you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. When you're watching the movie, if you haven't watched it and you rewatch it again, it's like anytime they need to have a character sort of react but don't want to actually have dialogue, they just have one of them go, eh, eh, huh? Like mm-hmm. it's so and it's so prevalent, like once you notice it, you can't unnotice it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that was a running joke for us too. But yeah, we would do the same type of thing. That's whoa, you know. <laughs> um, yeah, which it's it's great. It's it's a cool, cool uh universe it's a cool movie and a great comic and i just like i said i just I, I tend to react very differently depending on how much i'm in tune with the ambiguity of the ending and you know the weirdness of it all so yeah yeah for many of us it's probably the gateway to lots of an- other anime and manga yeah yeah so, but if you're if you're watching this live don't forget if you're on the fa- our facebook page watching us live you can leave comments and we'll be able to flash them up on the screen if need be That's or right. things like That's that right. so let us know what you think of akira uh, the yeah. film, the manga, whatever. But yeah, should we crack on with the uh, the the ending? Let's do it. Let's do it. All right, I'll set it up. Uh, here we go. Akira, nineteen eighty eight, directed by and based on the manga by Katsuhiro Otomo. Um, okay, so like I said, it's a weird movie. There's a lot that happens. It's really confusing. I really tried to just boil it down to the basic stuff because trying to explain the whole thing to you if you if you've never seen it is near impossible. So this is just a quick refresher. Um, Neo Tokyo, 2019. It's been 30 years since much of Japan was instantly destroyed, triggering World War III. In a dystopic Japan, teenage biker gang members Kaneda and Tetsuo and Kaneda's, Kaneda's sort of new girlfriend, Kay, um, are out and about. Well, she, Kay comes in later, but anyway. Tetsuo runs into an escaped ESP child, an ESP gifted child, which causes him to start developing powers. The military tries to control all these ESPers. They try to kill Tetsuo. Then Kaneda and Tetsuo get into a big fight. The ESPers trying to help Tetsuo heal. And everybody learns that Akira, the child who actually caused Tokyo to explode in the first place back in 1986 or 1988, whatever it is, is buried under the city. Tetsuo's powers grow and become more out of control. And eventually it turns into a giant flesh monster thing, a giant mass of flesh. And Akira is ruined. He creates a singularity that sucks Kaneda and Tetsuo into another dimension and causes Neo Tokyo to explode again. Uh, but the ESPers go in the other dimension. They rescue Kaneda. He rides off to the sunset with Kay, who, of course, is developing psychic powers, while Tetsuo, who's still in another dimension, as I understand it, creates a new universe entirely. Does that sound about right, Phil? <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. Did yeah, I mess anything yeah. up? I'll go with that, yeah, yeah. You sound very confident. You're like, yeah, yes, the ending, I would I would say the ending as well with the uh it's always it just got me thinking about it again. But yes, you're right. Yes, you summed it up very well. If but you have a different cool... interpretation of the ending, man, feel free to throw it out there. No, that's I, I, I think it's the best. I think that's the best interpretation of it. But there's also lots of there's, as we said, there's lots of cool visuals, cool motorbike chase, uh scary teddy bear, uh Cool yeah, hover, yeah, yeah, right, right. the riot scene, lots of lots of lots of very cool moments within the film. Yeah, when the flesh yeah, when yeah, yeah. when he goes all flesh and his arm goes big, that was uh, that's also mm-hmm. cool. But also makes you go, yeah. ooh. Yeah, yeah, I don't know if cool is the word I would use, but um all right. So do you want to give your ending or you want me to start with my ending? Uh well, uh, I'll do mine, shall I? That's up to you, yeah. Fine with me. Yeah, I'll go first. All right. Right, okay. Well, ever since the singularity consumed Neo-Tokyo for the second time, the world sees a brief period of peace. World governments, scared by the thought of a black hole obliterating their cities at any time, 
decided it was best that they all work together to help each other and, you know, try not to rock the boat too much. The residual effects of Akira's singularity also saw an increase in ESPs or ESP, uh, people with ESP abilities being born around the world. Many were taken into schools designed to train them, but many fell through the cracks or were kept hidden by their parents. It was only when they reached their, their teens that their powers truly blossomed and they ended up becoming feared by the general population, as is often the case in these kind of dystopian realities. Uh, but their schools ended up becoming training camps and prisons, depending on how they acted. Some espers became soldiers for their governments and ended up hunting down their own kind. The peace of the world fractured. And it eventually broke into skirmishes, battles, and an all-out war between the espers and the normies, as they got called. The world seemed headed to ruin until another singularity briefly appeared in the Sahara Desert. Once it had disappeared, a strange figure stood there, a curious mix of Akira, Tetsuro, and other strange minerals technology. The figure spoke with a whisper that was heard around the world. Silence! Something is coming. We must prepare. That's it. That's my after the ending for that, for Akira. All right. Very cool. I like it. It's got, I think it's got the requisite, like, you know, scope and scale that you need to follow up a cure. And it's got the kind of the requisite weirdness also a little bit, you know what I mean? I like this mysterious kind of mashup figure at the end and then, you know, what's coming and everything like, I like it. Nice. Nice. Thank you very much. Done. Okay. Very Hit cool. me with yours. What's going on with yours? All right. Let me, uh, let me do the thing with the thing. Here we go. I'm going to go solo. Here we go. All right. So, Kay and Kaneda are heroes. They helped save the world from destruction, but nobody knows it. Kaneda tries to tell the world what he did. He crashes talk shows, tries to tell a story, but no one believes him. He goes to the newspapers, but they bury his story in the back as like, you know, a news oddity, crazy person, not the truth. Kay, meanwhile, finds her powers growing stronger, slowly but surely. As Neo-Tokyo rebuilds, Kay becomes more and more in tune with the minds of every citizen of Japan. It starts as background noise, but eventually becomes deafening to her. And finally, as she's threatening to become overwhelmed and swallowed up by her powers, a massive energy burst hits her, seemingly out of nowhere, causing her to discharge her psychic energy like a bomb. Simultaneously, every human being in Japan feels her memories of the events with Kaneda and Tetsuo and Akira, feels them just wash over them. Kei wakes up with a headache, but her powers are gone, never to return. Kaneda, meanwhile, becomes an instant celebrity, using his newfound fame to build a fortune, buy him and Kay a mansion, and begin to live a life of luxury for them both. From the next universe over, Tetsuo looks into our dimension and smiles. He knew Kay was in distress and was happy that he was able to use his powers for good, something he was unable to do in our dimension the first time around. Then he turned his attention back to the new universe he was creating, where a race of bipedal mammals was just beginning to worship him as a god. And that's the end. Nice. I like it. It's a, it's a happy ending for that one. Yeah. Yeah. Mostly happy ending. I wanted a little, little tinge of like danger though. So like now you've got these creatures in this other universe starting to worship Tetsuo. So like, how is yeah. that going to go? Right? Like, yes, he's happy right now, but like, is that going to cause some problems if they think he's a God and, and he kind of has these godlike powers? So I don't want to leave it on a slight note of like, Hmm. I like it. I like it. The question now is though, who'd win in a fight between Tetsuo, that Tetsuo, and Doctor Manhattan? Ah, kind of yes, that's yeah. interesting. So when we do the after the after the ending, we can do an Akira Watchmen crossover and have Tetsuo 
and Dr. Manhattan just, you know, going at it like full yeah. on, which would probably be super boring to try and describe, though. Awesome. It'd probably be super boring to watch That's as well, because they'd probably just be standing there looking at each other. While <laughs> right. Go around. It'd be like some kind of psychic battle. But... Right, right, right. And occasionally Tetsuo would go, eh? And then, you know, <laughs> that would pretty much be all the action that we would get. So. <laughs> 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 all right. So thank you. Thank you. All right. So that is our After the Endings for Akira. Um, like I said, like Phil said, if you have thoughts on, on Akira, I know it's not as widespread, not as, as wide seen a film as some of the other films we've talked about, but I think a lot of people, a lot of movie buffs especially, have seen it. If, if you're the type of person who likes our show, you might be the type of person who has also seen Akira. So let us know your thoughts on it in the comments. Tetsuo! <laughs> Kaneda! All right. So, Phil, uh, now we're going on to our next topic, which tonight is, and it's funny that you said it exactly the way I wrote it without us communicating that, right? Because as you know, we don't tend to share anything about it. So I typed up, I was like, what's the pithy banner title I can use to discuss Hollywood naming sequels? And you mentioned that Hollywood sucks at naming sequels. And here's what I came up with. Why does Hollywood suck at naming sequels? So you literally took the words right out of the mouth. <laughs> great minds, great minds. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, speaking of which, before we get into that, though, we do have a comment from one of our regular viewers, Richard Brown. Hello, Richard. Glad you're here. Hello. Thanks for watching. Uh, Richard says, you guys called it. 90% amazing experience, and then the last 10%, it all goes a bit nuts. It was my first DVD box. Yeah, I do think that's kind of... Honestly, I think it's the one thing that's kept it from being even bigger, even though it was kind of a phenomenon. I do feel like more mainstream audiences would have embraced it if the ending hadn't been so out there if people could have kind of neatly sort of wrapped it up and said oh i get it i get what happened there you know what i mean yeah i mean and they keep threatening to do a live action version of the film but if they do that i do hope they go back to the uh the manga and pick some more different ele elements and go a different way yeah 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 i agree i hope it's not just a straight remake of the anime and i think that if you're going to go live action for a movie like that, I think you're going to, if you're going to go big Hollywood like that, something's going to be making, you know, because they're going to go live action. It's going to be hundred, two hundred million dollars. You're going to get like Keanu Reeves or somebody to be in it. Some big name star. I think you're going to need to make sure your ending makes sense because if there's one thing that mainstream audiences don't love, <laughs> right, it's endings that don't make sense and leave you completely confused. That is, that will kill a movie's word of mouth, I think, faster than a lot of other things. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So um, why does Hollywood suck at naming sequels is the topic we came up with. So obviously, I think Phil, it's fairly clear, probably, where both of us sort of stand on this. But let's discuss. Let's let's get into it. I'll, let me. I'll kick off real quickly um, by what sort of led yeah, us to yeah. this, which was this. I was at the movie theater the other night. I'll tell you what I was watching shortly. Although most of you could probably guess. Um, and I saw the trailer for the new Scream movie, which I was very excited about. I'm a huge fan of the Scream franchise. I love the movies. I even love the TV show. And it's called Scream. Now, when I first heard there was a new Scream movie coming out called Scream, I thought, okay, they're rebooting Scream. Fine. Makes sense. It's been many years, you know. But then I watched the trailer, and it's just Scream 5. It is the main characters yeah. from the first four Scream movies back once again with just a new killer again. It's just Scream 5. And I was like, this is ridiculous. And this is a, I've, I've had this conversation before. This is not a new thing. I hate this trend of renaming movies that are already named. So now the franchise is going to go Scream, Scream 2, Scream 3, Scream 4, Scream. It is asinine, and I hate it. So that's the starting point. Now, we don't want to just repeat ourselves, because I've probably ranted about this maybe once or 
12 times in other episodes. Um, so, but let's discuss, Phil, what, what do you think about sequels? What are some good examples? What are some bad examples? What do you have? You know, what, what are sort of your thoughts on, you know? Well, yeah, I think, I think you're right. If, the, if you're going to start doing something where you have a sequel where it's like, as for example, Scream, Scream 2, Scream 3, I think you should carry that on with the numbers. Uh, as soon as you, you call a new film Scream, Again, you start thinking it's a reboot. But all the press releases is everything, so it's Scream 5. They did it with Halloween, even though that's that that cuts out some of the sequels, but it's, it's still, again, it's the first film is called Halloween. There's new ones, Halloween. Uh, but some of the good ones, I mean, you've got just a, at a basic level, you've got Alien and Aliens, just adding the S. That's a good one. Watch those in the order. So you, I didn't get that. You broke up a bit there with that one. I'll carry on talking while Mike comes mm -hmm. back. But uh, you get things, okay. I mean, in Back to, Back to the Future too. they they even reference the whole Jaws, whatever, the fact there's so many sequels. But you've got Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure going into Bogus Journey. I like it when they do something where it's still, you still know it's the same series of films, but they change the, the title. Like Before Sunrise, Before Sunset, Before Midnight. I think that's a brilliant way if you're going to do sequels and it becomes a proper trilogy. 28 weeks later, 28 months later. So they're good ones. Then you've got the whole Fast and Furious sequel, which is a lot unto itself with the many different names and titles. So you do have some good ones, but then most of the time it is just, well, Richard Brown comments on that because lots of the times a sequel is almost an afterthought. So they just they just say, let's put a number after it and see what goes on with that. But uh, yeah, I don't mind though the numbers because at least then you know which one to watch in order. But uh, what about you? What's what are some of your favorite sequel names? Um, what are some of the worst ones? So, um, so I think you know I'm I'm like I agree with pretty much everything you said, right? Um, I I think there are certain ones that you know sort of buck the trend. Alien and Aliens, brilliant, but that was also a long time ago before there was nearly as many sequels that had as many iterations as they do now. You know what I mean? Um, I like some. I like the way Marvel does it. To be honest with you, for the most part, I mean, I I do like my movies to my sequels to be numbered in a way, just because it's easy to keep track of which ones are which, especially as franchises go longer and longer. But like, you've got Thor, Thor: The Dark World, Thor: Ragnarok. Then we're gonna have Thor: Love and Thunder. I think is the next one, right? You got Captain America, The Winter Soldier, you know, Civil War, yeah, right? yeah. Uh, Avengers, Avengers, Endgame, Rise of Ultron. You know, like they do. You know, because like Richard says here on the on the, the comment, right? The sequel is almost always an afterthought, and halfway through production, some aide is charged with figuring out how to market it with complete disregard to the story. And I, I do think that's been traditionally sort of how it works, but I don't think as much anymore. I mean, it depends on what the movies are. I think like your yeah. Marvel studios and those type of things, they they've put a lot into this and they know where they're going with these films before they've even you know, before they've even set one thing on film, right? So those I like because they do really tie into the story. You know, Avengers Infinity War and Avengers Endgame, like those really sort of sum up those movies, you know? Um, I like that a lot. I hate things like, I mentioned this once before, The Suicide Squad being the not sequel, <laughs> not reboot of Suicide Squad. It is ridiculous. It's one of the stupidest things I've ever heard in my life. It is different from the Alien Aliens thing. You know what I mean? And yeah, yeah. not only is it just annoying, it's annoying when you're like searching for movies, right? When you go you go looking up something like a trailer on YouTube and you do a search for the Suicide Squad trailer and you want the first movie, but all that comes up is the second movie. Yeah, because it's the exact same name. Like it's killing SEO, you know, for people who are into that kind of thing. Like it's got to be so hard to, you know, from, from marketing uh, perspectives, you know, um, 
you know, Hellboy and Hellboy is another example that we yeah, yeah, of course, yeah, Predator and the Predator. It's just it, like really, guys. I understand. I understand the reasoning is they want to try and get new audiences, so they don't want to tack on a, a, a number that's going to make it seem like you have to see a bunch of other films first. But first of all, that rarely works. Okay, your Scream fans are going to come out and see Scream. Your Predator fans are going to come out and see Predator. Chances of it usually getting a whole new audience generally has not worked all that well. Okay. Yeah. Whether they named it Predator 5 or The Predator or Predator, let's go to the movies. You know, none of that was probably going to draw in and make it a, you know, $300 million grossing movie, right? People know the franchises well enough, right? People know Scream. They don't need to try and be fooled into thinking it's a new Scream movie, right? So have some creativity. Do something, you know, different with it. Um, you know, do like a Marvel style, give it a subtitle, whatever. If you don't want to give it a number, you know, scream again. I don't know. That's a terrible, but is it? I mean, it's, you know, it works. It's it kind of like, sound just like scream ghost face or something like that. Been yeah, like right. Something, something like that. You know, uh, scream the return. What is it like? The return of Ghostface. They did that with Halloween, right? The return of Michael Myers, Revenge of Michael Myers, the you know recipes of Michael Myers, like whatever. You know, like something like that. Give us something to differentiate it. You know. Uh, I just don't think it's that hard, you know. It, yeah, that's well, one thing I think. You've even got like there's a list here of like some of the worst, uh, the worst title sequels, but e even these have got a bit more imagination to them. It's got Leprechaun, Back to the Hood, back right? To, back to the Hood, yeah, yeah. Uh, Breaking Two, Electric Boogaloo. That's one of the best ever. Don't don't even. Oh, well, yeah, that's, I know, that's what I thought when I saw it on the list. I was going, oh, that's not right. That list Alvin, has now lost all credibility for me. Uh, what else is that? Alvin and the Chipmunks, the Squeakle. I love that one. I think that's the best. imagination with that one. Even. That is brilliant. What are you talking about? Yeah. I, even when that movie came out and we went to see it in the theaters with my kids, I thought that was brilliant. The squeakle. Come on. Yeah. yeah. That's fantastic wordplay. Uh, but it's just it's just any kind of imagination is is good. But like it's, as, as I mentioned, the Fast and Furious films, they're all over the place with the way they do uh, do their titles. I now that is you know, you know I'm a huge fan of the Fast and the Furious franchise. I am not a fan of their naming convention, right? Yeah. Where it's just like, well, we can't call it the same things. So they did the same thing where it was the first movie was the Fast and the Furious, then the fourth movie was Fast and Furious, and then it became Fast Five, which I thought seemed fine, but then it went to you know Furious Six, like Fast. I forget how even it wasn't like back and forth. They they change it every time, and then the last one was just F nine the fast saga, which is a terrible name for me. It's not a name for a movie. It's like, a, it's like a catalog entry. I don't, I don't yeah. care for that at all. I, and I, when you were doing that, it makes it sound like when you're trying to go over the films, it makes it sound like even, I know you're a big fan of the films, but it's even then you, you can get all the titles, right. But it makes it sound like you're somebody who has no idea what these, mm -hmm. you've got a vague idea about them. You're going, cause there's fast and furious. Then there's the Tokyo drift and there's this, but it's just, it's such yeah. a mess. It's just, I know I agree. It's just I crazy. do think Too Fast, Too Furious was pretty clever, but I would yeah. have rather seen them do stuff like Fast and the Furious 3, Tokyo Drift, Fast and the Furious 4, you know, the return of, you know, Dom Toretto, you know, whatever, something, some subtitles or something like that, you know. Yeah, Fast I mean? and Furious 5, Dom enunciates better. That would be a good one. Hey, um, Fast um, 5 is the best movie in the franchise. Don't um, go nothing on that one, okay? Um, Which one is um, that one? That's one they're playing at the end. Anyway, let's forget all the topic. Yeah. <laughs> That's Fast 8, um, okay. or Furious 8, or The Fate of the Furious. That one I kind of like. Uh, that one I kind of like, because it's, you know, the F8, Fate. I get that. That one I kind of dig. But by and large, not a fan of their naming conventions. Um, Richard <laughs> nails this one, though. <laughs> on sequels, The Predator is on tonight. Here's This is an example. We have to call it Predator, right? And it's new, right? 
but it's all new, like not just new, right? So the, the you're hired. <laughs> like, I mean, that's pretty yeah. much how it goes, I think, with some of these, you know. Um, and I think I think lots of them as well. It's probably uh when they have what is it when they get a group focus groups yes. as well, and people go and they're going, Well, it's it's the predator, isn't it? You know, so you gotta just call it that and do doing that because otherwise people aren't gonna know and you're going, Oh, just we'll call it the predator something, the predator's back. Yeah, the predator you returns know. or predator returns or or you know, predator colon it's a hot time in the city tonight, you know, whatever. I don't even care. Just give it something better than just the predator for a movie that's already out called predator. It just mm -hmm. makes it confusing. I like, I've said this before and I'll say it again. It's like, Oh man, I love scream. You like scream. I thought it was terrible. They're, they're all too old. No, 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 no scream. I love scream. I don't like scream. Scream is terrible, but scream is amazing. It's like, it's, it's stupid. Now I have to differentiate for the rest of my life. Oh, I love the original Scream, but the 2022 Scream was highly inferior. Like, I don't need to do that. I just want to say Scream, you know, or Scream yeah. 5. <laughs> Richard's on fire tonight with the Predator Human Buffet. I like that one, too. But, um, but the new Scream film, why don't they call it Screams? There you go. That would have worked for me, actually, because at yeah, least yeah. it's different. And it's clever. That would have been funny. A little play on the whole Alien Aliens thing, right? Yeah. Um, I, I will say I lament the fact that, well, I don't lament it because it never actually happened, but I, I, one of my favorite sequel naming stories goes way back to the 80s when they were doing Jaws 3. I'm sure you know this story. Um, there had been, after Jaws 2, when they were developing Jaws 3, um, not really knowing where to go with the story, there was talk of making it a parody movie of the first two films. And so the yeah, original yeah. title for Jaws 3 was Jaws 3 People Zero. Uh, which I thought was pretty brilliant, and I would have loved to have seen that come to fruition. But obviously, yeah. they ended up with Jaws 3D, and you know the rest is history. But that one does crack me up. <laughs> that would have been good, actually. But there's there's a list here as well. I mean, Sharknado 2, the second one. Mm -hmm. That's at least there's a little bit of imagination in that one. But see, that one's a parody movie to begin with. So saying yeah. like Sharknado 2, the second one, is clearly meant to be like, hey, we know we're not great. It's not like sharknado 2 it's awesome it's just sharknado 2 the second one that's that's self-referential and i have no problem with that you yeah, know this one i'm not sure this is true but apparently the original title for hot tub time machine 2 was hot tub time machine 3 colon because hot tub time machine 2 hasn't happened yet <laughs> which, which just leans right into the whole concept. right 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 which would have been fun which would have been very fun a little unwieldy right hard oh, yeah to totally but whatever but I could still see pretty... i could see why that one came up with but uh but yeah. even like look who's talking look who's talking to look who's talking now right that's, that's something it's using a little bit of imagination thinking a little bit outside the box mm-hmm or even something like meet the Fockers, you know, meet the parents, meet the Fockers. Like it, it keeps the, the convention, even though it changes it somewhat. You know what I mean? Because marketing does exist, right? You're not living in a vacuum. You're not going to see a trailer for meet the Fockers and be like, what's this movie? I've never heard of this, you know? Um, or I do like, here's one I do like. Actually, I have to admit, I never actually even saw the sequel, but analyze this and analyze that. Yes. You know, yeah. with, uh, with Billy, um, Billy Crystal and Robert De Niro. I thought that was pretty clever, right? Um, it's just not that hard, you know what I mean? Um, but this this idea of renaming a movie a name that's already existing. It's one thing if it's a reboot. That's a, that's that's one thing, although I'm not a fan of that still. Again, Hellboy, Hellboy is, you know, sort of a good example of that. But if it's a reboot of like a or a remake, you know, a pure remake, I'm okay with yeah. that. You know, if you're just remaking a movie from like 1950, that's fine. Um, but just stop just reusing the name. Like, I can't, what, is the next Star Wars movie going to be called just Star Wars? Like, that's problematic. I know number uh, Star Wars is a new hope, but most people still call it Star Wars, you know? Like, you just, 
Well, yeah, Richard mentions the Die Hard films. I was going to mention that as well because I, I quite, I mean, Die Hard, Die Hard Two, Die Hard with a Vengeance. Mm-hmm. All right, and then Die Hard was colon Die Harder, or at least subtitled Die Harder, right? Yeah, and then there's uh, Die Hard Four Point which sort of ties in with the whole part of it because it's different. well, and also, but oh, and over here in the U.S., that was actually called um, uh, uh, Live Free or Die Hard. Oh, that's right. Yeah, mm-hmm. was it? Or was that the fifth one? What was the fifth no, one? No, that was a good day to die hard, I believe. Oh yeah. Well, let's see. They're kind of, it goes on. It's a bit. It's a bit messy, but at least they they did think a little bit with some of them and just yes. played on the whole whole word. Um, and thankfully, they didn't go die harder. That would have been dreadful. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, I think the die hard ones are a little clunky. They're not my favorite, but I don't dislike them because at least they tried something a little bit different. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, for a film that I don't think was ever even really thought about having a sequel right it certainly isn't the type of movie that was designed to have a sequel you know um so yeah i i think by the end it got a little un, unwieldy but like i said you know they all kind of work i mean they're all they're they all work as because they used i think real sayings like over here again live live free or die hard that's a like one of the state mottos you know a good day to die hard is kind of a play on like it's a good day to die so like i think they yeah. get a pass again not my favorite ever but i don't i don't give them a too hard of a time you know yeah, yeah, I mean, I give him more of a hard time for the fact that that fifth movie is just god awful. Um, oh, no, no, no. but they called it, yeah. But uh, yeah, I'm just uh, I mean, same with Star Wars, at least with Star Wars, then it's then it's the sub, it's the uh, it's got the subtitle, same with the Indiana Jones films, right? Things like that, leading yeah. into the whole the whole serial kind of structure as well. But there are because it's it is there's so many examples that do work and show it is possible, but as you say, the ones where they just use the same name and it's a sequel doesn't work. It just it's confusing mm-hmm. but if, as you, and you mentioned as well but if it's a remake then that's that's kind of okay because it's a remake of the same thing right. it's not a sequel so it doesn't really matter but right yeah but if uh anybody else out there there's any good what what's your favorite what's your favorite sequel name which one do you think is the cleverest what's the dumbest often dumb and dumber which which is kind of clever because considering what this that one's funny because it's meant to be dumb, like yes, yeah. to in- indicate the stupid. Here's the one that I pick on that I I, I have a love hate relationship with because I love some of them and I hate some of them. The Rambo franchise. Now you know, you know I'm a big fan of the Rambo franchise, right? So First Blood yeah, yeah. and after the book, perfect, right? Then you got Rambo First Blood Part Two, but mostly it's called Rambo. I'm okay with that because the character had become bigger at that point. Then you get Rambo Three, which is slightly problematic because it's not right i mean it is rambo 3 yeah. but it isn't rambo 3 right because there wasn't a rambo 2 right they so that's a little bit confusing then you have then you have a big break and then in 2008 you have rambo which <laughs> is problematic because there's already out one out there but what makes that one worse is if you look at it anywhere outside of the film it's just referred to as rambo 2008 right inside the film the credits actually show it as John Rambo, which was the original name for the film, but they shortened yeah. it for marketing. So it's like, I hate it, but also would have liked it fine if it was called John Rambo, right? And then you got the last one, Rambo, Last Blood, which I actually think is really clever because First Blood, Last Blood, as the last film in the franchise, reps it all around full circle, right? I mean, again, a god-awful film, but um, <laughs> I, I like that. So a very weird, uh, that's one that just was never meant to really flow together like that. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean, but uh, First Blood's so good though. Yeah, for sure. Refer- uh, listen, First Blood is amazing, and Rambo is amazing. I love, I love Rambo, and I actually like Rambo three quite a bit as well. And I've come around on Rambo, John Rambo, 
whatever you want to call that. But the last one, not so much. But anyway, those first three films, I love them. Yeah, good stuff. All um, right. I think that's, uh, I think we've covered. We have beaten that point into the ground. I'm, I'm sure that when we finish recording, we'll be, able to, we'll be both going, oh, there was that one as well. Ah. Yeah, right, 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 exactly. And and for other listeners, regular listeners and viewers out there, I apologize because this will probably not be the last time you're going to hear this rant from me because it really, really grinds my gears. Every time they announce a new movie with the same name as a previous one, it sends me into an uproar all over again. So clearly it's a trigger for me. I apologize. Well, I'm hoping for a trilogy of films and every single film in the trilogy just has the same name. Right. Right. Exactly. These are different fronts in the marketing. Right. Right. The Bomb Squad. And then the next film will be The Bomb Squad. And then the third film will be The Bomb Squad. And it's going to be like, hey, awesome. Um, I, do, uh, I do agree with Rich here on this one 2001 2010 straightforward makes a point less pretentious than the movies definitely i like that one too i'm good with 2001 2010 and 2010 even has the colon the year we made contact the subtitle but i think again that's like an alien aliens one to me right 2001 takes place in 2001 2010 takes place in 2010 like it's you know it works simple because alien aliens then alien 3 doesn't right agreed but i guess aliens is, is maybe it wouldn't have worked so that should have been called uh a, no less aliens should have been alien aliens less aliens it is right it's well it's alien three because they went back to the one and then mm. alien resurrection and all that stuff so and then it went with prometheus and we don't even count those so <laughs> <laughs> all right so um all right that's gonna wrap up our sequel talk and now it is time to get into um, our top five list. And as you guys know, we like to mix into our top five lists. Sometimes we do a, a, a traditional top five list. And sometimes we do what we call the last five films we watched, where it gives us a chance to talk about some movies we wouldn't normally have a chance to talk about because we can't do an after the ending for them. Maybe if they're too new or they have a sequel um, or because um, it's brand new. So it's going to, we don't like to do movies less than five years old but when we do our after the endings because of spoilers and stuff like that. So this is the last five films we watched. Phil, what's the rules for this? It has to be the last five films we watched. We cannot, uh, that's basically it, but it's, it sounds obvious, but many a time when people say, what was the last film you watched? And if it's one which you maybe don't consider that good, or you, you think that they might not consider good, you find yourself self-censoring, even though you shouldn't. And you go, well, no, it was the last big, it was Citizen Kane. Right, Even right. though you've just watched something dreadful, like uh, <laughs> must die. Yeah, yeah, but it's yeah. So yeah, it's got to be whatever we last saw. Obviously, if you watched a film two or three times in the, in the last five ones, we just counted once. But yeah, right. Are you watching a lot of films two or three times, but then your last five film outings? Uh, well, just before this, I went to see Dune twice. Oh, I got it. I went to see it on IMAX. But... All right. So let me do, um, actually, let me do a quick update for people who listened to our last episode. Um, it is not going to be in my last five films I've watched, but I did see Dune. Uh, in our last episode, we talked about oh, yeah, Dune, our right. movies with Dune. You had seen the new film at that point. I had not. Um, so for anybody who's curious uh, how I feel about the new Dune, because as, as I mentioned in, in our discussion, I, I have kind of a complicated history with, with Dune franchise. Um, I'm happy to say I actually really, really liked it. 
Uh, I liked it quite a bit, more than I expected to, to be honest with you. Um, I, I followed the story just fine. I thought it was really well done, really well made. It looked great. I enjoyed the story. I liked the characters. The I, I, You know, the whole thing just worked for me. I It wasn't like, oh my gosh, it's my favorite film of the year. I thought it was the best thing I've ever seen or anything like that, but I definitely enjoyed it. I definitely would watch it again. I think people overall will really like it. And I have a weird compliment to pay the movie, but I'm going to pay it anyway. Okay. Which is one of the things I really liked about it was there were unafraid to show heterosexual male affection. What I mean by that, several scenes where two male characters who are not in a romantic relationship hugged each other, patted each other on the back. The father touches the son on the face, right? They hug. There's so many movies that don't show that stuff because I don't know if whatever the reason is, if they're afraid it's going to be seen as, you know, gay or whatever. But there's so many times you don't see that. And it's like, I really like to see strong relationships. And I like the idea that like, you know, Paul Atreides and Duncan Idaho, like they haven't seen it in a while and they, and he runs up and gives them a big hug. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, that's okay. It's okay to show that people are allowed to have affection for each other, whether they're straight, gay in between. I don't care. It doesn't matter. It's about that. You know, I love the scene where, you know, Paul's father, like, you know, touches his face and like tells him, you, you know, all I need you to be is my son. Right. And like yeah. even uh, another scene where Paul kind of walks in or his dad walks in, and, like kind of pats Paul on the back and sort of like, Puts his hand on his back, like. That's right. And when when Paul runs up, he sees Thufa Howard when he lands on there as well, and he runs up and he he sort of runs ahead of his father like that, probably breaking protocol, but runs up and gives him a big hug because he hasn't seen yes. him for a while. Yeah. Right, right, exactly. That's who I meant. Not not Duncan Idaho. Who uh, no, it's, it's, he does it as well with Duncan as well. When yeah, he's right. seen, yeah, so it doesn't. Yeah. Yeah, like I just thought that was really. In a film that's really about family, right, and has this, you know, you family. have to get this family and these relationships um, uh, established in order to really buy into this world, right? I thought that was a really nice touch that it was like, hey, it, you know, it's okay for our characters to show affection for each other. It's it's totally fine. And I really like that. I know it's a strange thing to pick up on, but I, I oh, always good. noticed the lack of it in so many mainstream films. So it was nice to see it done so well. You're right. You're right. Yeah, and it made it more, made it more real. Made the characters, yeah, gave those instant connections. Yeah, you just cared about them more. I thought, you know, because you're like, oh, this dad loves his son. So many of these movies, you see this royalty, and it's like this supposed relationship between this father and the son, but you never really see it on screen, right? But there's yeah. no doubt that you know that Duncan Atreides loves his son Paul Atreides, and you get that not just from the dialogue, but from the physical acting as well. And I think that's huge. So I just wanted to tell you guys that I really liked Dune, and that was something I liked about it. Excellent. Yeah, it's a film. Go see it if you haven't. It's worth it's worth seeing on the big screen. Excellent. Absolutely. So anyway, um, that was a long story, but let me get into it. I'll, I'll kick off since you did your endings yeah, first. Yeah. I'll kick off with my number five. Um, I haven't watched a lot of movies lately. That's why Dune didn't make my, my most recent five. But my number five uh, was one I commented on on Facebook. I think, Phil, you saw it. But it was Black Dog uh, from, I believe, oh. 1998, starring Patrick Swayze and Randy yeah, Travis yeah. and Meatloaf. Not a cast that makes you sit up and go, I have to see this movie. But um, then again, it does. <laughs> right, 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 right. Part of you is like, wait a minute, Patrick Swayze, Randy Travis, and Meatloaf. I do kind of need to see this. Yeah, movie, I know. Right? what's going on there? Yeah, it is uh, an unabashed '90s action movie that I think is highly, highly underrated. I don't mean to say it's a masterpiece of cinematic genius, right? It is not like you know a Christopher Nolan or Stanley Kubrick level film, but. 90s action movies is one of my favorite genres ever. I love them. Um, if you like that genre and you just want a good, fun action movie, Black Dog 
will absolutely fit the bill. Patrick Swayze is a trucker. He kind of gets blackmailed into hauling an illegal load of guns. There's another group of hijackers trying to steal them from him. Plus the FBI and the ATF are on the trail and he's got to like, you know, run away or avoid or fight these other truckers and the FBI and all this stuff. So it's got your, your requisite car chases. It's got some, you know, out of the truck. It's not just like a pure truck, you know, driving movie. It's got scenes outside of it. It's got a great, uh, you know, climax, I think. Um, I, I just really enjoy it. It is a really, really, fun 90s action movie if you like those kinds of movies you know um just a, a good way to check your brain at the door for 90 minutes and just enjoy some really you know kind of good action filmmaking black dog i, I think it's really worth it so that's my number five the one cool yeah. yeah when you shared that i did i realized i'd never seen it so i it's one of those ones i need to have a watch because i do yeah. like a bit of this swayze yeah. Um, yeah, I think you'll enjoy it you just have to be in the right mood for, i mean not really in the right mood you just have to like know what you're going in for you know what i mean yeah. like this is just a good old-fashioned action flick cool okay my uh last well the one my first one is uh it's called the lift or el ascensor so i think it's spanish but it was uh popped up on my uh an amazon prime mm. on the, like uh because it's one hour 10 minutes because I, mm. I didn't have much time but it was like uh, suddenly there was a thing saying films under so much time uh, yeah. and i put it on because uh, i like the uh the, the tagline as well it's basically a couple on their fifth wedding anniversary uh having an argument and they go inside the lift or the elevator for our American viewers. Uh, but they go in there and basically get caught in a time loop. So as it moves down from the 10 floors, when it reaches the bottom floor, time resets in the back of the top and it keeps uh -huh. going down and they're having this argument, but only one of them knows the time when they, whoever pressed the button gets caught in the loop. So at first all the husband is in the loop and as he realizes this panics, but then he starts using it to find out some truth about She's being evasive and finds out some secrets. Um, mm. Then she realizes what's going on. She presses the button after another argument, and then she does the same thing, and then they both press the button. And, but it's it's really good, especially because most time loops are movies are usually like a day or so. But this one, it's just the time going down, 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 resets. It's a really low budget. It's only two actors in it. Uh, but it's, it's, it's worth a watch. It was a nice little twist on the time loop movie and i really like the way it was doing and when they work things out it sort of starts falling apart a bit when they start working out what it is but it, it, it still tells a good story and i, I just like the concept but that's mm. uh, a lift or alessensor that sounds really interesting i'll have to check that out I'll see if it's on prime over here very cool all right um my number four i'm just i number them i go in backwards order so it goes yeah, yeah, the, yeah. Sorry, the, yeah. the most, most recent one but my number four is called there's someone inside your house it's actually oh, a brand new film. I found it on Netflix just flipping around looking for something to watch a couple nights ago. Um, it's a horror movie from 2021. Um, it, I think it just came out on Netflix. No real name stars in it. I think it's almost entirely unknown. I'm trying to remember if there's anybody at all that I recognize. There may be one or two supporting actors, like older actors. You know, it's a teenage, it's a horror movie. It's a slasher film, basically. Um, I've seen the post before, yeah. Yeah, yeah um, and very few scenes of somebody inside the house, by the way. The name is a little bit misleading. <laughs> Here's what I thought about it, though. And I, and I say this as a good thing, not a bad thing. It's, it's the most 2021 horror film I've ever seen, right? In that, you're group like your main group of characters was like a hawaiian asian girl an african-american girl a hispanic male a non-binary character and a gay white male right like 
you know, not a straight, oh, and a straight white dude, actually, to fit, to fix it, just to check all the boxes, right? And I say that, like I said, not as a bad thing. I think it's great. I like to see representation in movies. It just struck me that they were all in this one friend group. I'm like, wow, this is so 2021. But I also know I have a high school daughter. Like, I know that's what her friend groups look like. You know what I mean? So it is not, it is not um, unwarranted. But um, I enjoyed it. it. It's nothing. It's nothing special. It's not like, oh my gosh, you have to watch this movie. If you like slasher films, which I do, it's a perfectly enjoyable one. Good way to kill 90 minutes or so. Um, you know, it keeps you, I think it keeps you guessing. It's one of those ones as sort of, uh, you know, what's the identity or the secret of the, the killer kind of keeps you guessing for a while. Um, nothing groundbreaking about it, nothing crazy or whatever, but like I said, an enjoyable, if you're just looking for a slasher film, something to pass the time with, if you like those, uh, it's perfectly fun. So it's called There's Someone Inside Your House. And again, I saw it on Netflix. Um, I think it came out just recently. Okay. Yeah, I do like a slasher movie, so I might give that one a watch. My number four is from 2016. It's London Has Fallen. It's the sequel to Olympus Has Fallen. Mm -hmm. It was the other, it was last week, I think. I just, I was in, it was an evening. I wanted to watch an action movie I've not seen before. Something a bit minor, it's a bit silly. And that was in one of the streaming queues. And I went, I'll watch that. I like Jared Butler. Uh, I enjoyed Olympus Has Fallen. They're not going to win any awards. If it did win any awards, I apologize. But uh, <laughs> I, <don't think> so. <laughs> I, I like I like the concept. I like the fact he's just. I mean, when the SAS turn up and he's just charging ahead and he'll get shot. And he's, anyway, but it's just uh, I, I liked it. There's some good scenes in London, especially when everything kicks off and there's, a peep, you know, all the explosions and shots like that. It's stupid action. It was just what I wanted to watch at the time. I enjoyed it. Uh, May never watch it again, but at the right. time I really enjoyed it. That's my number four. There you go. Sometimes it's, I mean, very often when, especially when it's late at night, all I want is just a decent action flick. You know, it's, it is my like favorite genre, you know, and I, I have a hard time sometimes just finding like a good one that I haven't seen or I haven't seen in a long time. I'll go back to some of the 90s ones, like yeah, Black Dog. Yeah. I saw it when it came out in like 98, hadn't seen it since then. You know what I mean? So it had been, you know, 20 plus years and I watched it again. And I loved it because, because I hadn't seen it in so long. And sometimes I flip around just like, can I just find an action movie? I haven't seen in a long time. Yeah. But I'm in the mood to watch. So I get that. Actually London has fallen is, is, is like you said, pretty good for what it is. I think I might like it a little bit better than the first one. Actually. I didn't love the first one, but I think the second one I kind of enjoyed more. It's a little, a little bigger um, yeah. Yeah. in scope. And I think I kind of enjoyed it for that. So. Yeah. All I mean, right. it's just, as you say, I mean, there's always, you're always in this, your mood for what film film genres changes all the time, depending upon what yeah. what's been going on the day where you are, who's with you, things like that. And sometimes you just want that. But uh, yeah, that's that was my number four. Very good. All right. Well, my number three film um, is probably spoiler alert, probably going to be on my top ten list of the year for when we do our top ten list at the end of the year. Now, okay. here's the thing: had you told me earlier this year that one of my top 10 films of the year would be a biopic of televangelist Jim and Tammy Faye Baker. Oh, okay. Yeah. I would have probably told you you were smoking crack. However, <laughs> my number three film is the eyes of Tammy Faye starring oh, cool, Chastain yeah. as all of all people as Tammy Faye Baker. Uh, who I think most people know, you know, who she is still. She's I think her name is still famous enough. And and Andrew Garfield as Jim Baker. Again, if you had told me that's who you were casting in a movie about Jim and Tammy Faye, I would have said you were crazy. Right. Because who would cast those two as those two? But here's what I will say. The movie is absolutely amazing. 
Uh, Jessica Chastain's performance is phenomenal. The way she channels Tammy Faye, the way she gets her laugh down, the way that the makeup they do on her, not just the makeup, the Tammy Faye makeup, like the prosthetic makeup to make her face kind of fit the shape, but then also the Tammy Faye makeup. Andrew Garfield, it's like light prosthetics just to sort of change the shape of their face. Same thing. His performance as Jim Baker as like this sort of like down home gooberish kind of guy who then becomes like this world famous televangelist. Also excellent. Overshadowed by... Jessica Chastain, she's going to get all the acclaim, I think, come awards time. But Andrew Garfield, also spectacular. Really great supporting cast like Cherry Jones and uh, Vincent D'Onofrio, a bunch of other recognizable faces. But just really an interesting story. Like, you know, everyone knows Jim and Tammy Faye Baker, but no one really, all you know is that they were televangelists and he got taken down in a scandal. She wore lots of makeup and cried all the time, right? But there was so much more <laughs> stories. You know what I mean? But this this movie kind of tells their story of how they came up, how they got their start. Like they started doing like a puppet show, like how the ministry grew, how then the, the financial troubles started, you know, the affairs, the scandals. Also an interesting look at Tammy Faye in terms of what she did on the positive side of things. You know, she worked with um, LGBT people when it was very unpopular in the church and Jerry yeah. Falwell was trying to shut her down for that. She talked to like an AIDS patient, like early on a gay AIDS patient. She had him on the show, which was not approved by the higher ups in the church because she believed in, in that those people were just regular people who deserve to be loved, which was pretty progressive, especially in the, in the, you know, the televangel tele evangelical world at, in the eighties. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so she did a lot of good things too. Um, so, but the film is definitely kind of a, you know, it's not it's not painting her as like some completely innocent hero, but it's also not painting her as a villain. Um, but I loved it. I was glued to the screen. I thought the performances were amazing. The the I learned so much about them. I didn't know like Tammy Faye had something like 25 albums out. I didn't even know she sang because I never watched them. <laughs> you know what I mean? Beyond seeing them in news clips and stuff. Really, really good film. Highly recommend it. The Eyes of Tammy Faye. There's also a documentary from a few years ago. It's the same name. That's not. I'm sure it's good, but I haven't yeah. seen it. This is the biopic. Highly recommended. Cool, yeah, because I like the trailer for that. And it's over here, as I say, just know the basics of who they they were. Right. The scan I don't know any of the details of the scandals too much, but yeah, the trailer looked really good and I've heard good things about her performance and yeah on the film and things. But uh, oh it's good to know. It's a good one, yeah. I look forward to yeah, that. For sure. if she doesn't get nominated for an Oscar, I'm gonna be very disappointed because she's phenomenal in it. Cool. Okay. Well, my number three is uh, from this this year, 2021. It's a Nicolas Cage film, so who knows which way it's going to go. It's uh, Prisoners of the Ghostland, directed by mm. Sion Sono. I got sent a screen, a disc to review. And poof. yeah, <laughs> it could it could be one of the best films I've seen this year. It could be one of the worst films I've seen this year. At the same time, it's the Schrodinger's cat of a movie, basically. <laughs> It's, it could have done with a bigger budget, but the low budget works well. Nicolas Cage <laughs> is Nicolas Cage, but he's not Nicolas Cage enough. But he is in some places. And then it's got, it's like sort of set in this kind of, there's samurais, there's gunmen, there's people like wearing Mad Max kind of gear. See on Sono films, I are kind of, bit trippy anyway but this one was more trippy i enjoyed it more as it went on and you start finding out more of the backstory but it's kind of i i wish i'd either been watching it with either really really drunk or on some kind of weird hallucinogenic i might have got a lot more out of it but it's i don't know if i can recommend it or not it's, it's really it was a real it was a, it began as a struggle to watch but then as it went on i as i said got more into it uh, 
I think Nicolas Cage did give a damn. There's a weird bit when he's on a little push bike. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Prisoners of the Ghost Land. Mm. So, interestingly enough, Phil, I've watched the first half of that movie. Um, I have not finished it yet, which is why I didn't make my top five films. I started it the other day, didn't get a chance to finish it, and haven't come back to it yet. Uh, so I know what you're talking about. Um, and it was interesting because I, I got the review, a DVD, a Blu-ray copy to review, and on the on the cover of it, I don't know if, you, if yours has this or not, it's got a quote from Nicolas Cage. You know, like usually they have the quotes from the movie critics, and it says, yeah. you know, maybe the wildest movie I've ever made or something like that. And that's saying a lot from Nicolas Cage. Yeah. Right? Um, so I... I Got about halfway through. I have not finished it yet, so I, I can't share my full opinion, but I will definitely say it is weird. It is, it is out there. It is wild. I don't know that it's – I agree with exactly what you said. It's, well, I don't think it could be the worst, the best film of the year. I don't think it's the worst film of the year, but it's certainly both kind of good and bad yeah. mixed together for sure. It's a weird film without a doubt. And I can see how some people will really love it, and it has future cult classic written all over it. Um, but yeah. I can also see how a lot of people just think it's a pile of garbage, and I wouldn't argue with that either. I, yeah, I think a lot of it's going to depend who you're watching it with, mm -hmm. what time yes. of night it is. I agree. Um, a big group of friends, you know, party atmosphere is the way to watch this film. Just sitting and watching it as a, a serious contemplative film, not so much. Yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah, cool. Uh, yeah, Prisoners of the Ghost Land. All right, mm -hmm. all right. Well, my number two is uh, Friday the 13th, the 2009 remake, which, which – satisfies the naming convention because it is well i guess it's more of a reboot so i don't know where i am on that when we talk about sequel naming it is kind of meant to restart the entire franchise and it's in, it is sort of well it's not really an original story because it's kind of a sequel well anyway i guess they fail but it's friday the 13th 2009 reboot um i don't know why it had been popping up on my hbo max queue like on the you know hey movies for you thing and i was always like oh i haven't seen that in a while i should rewatch it because i do like Friday the 13th movies got Jared Padalecki in it and you know a couple other actors uh Danielle Panabaker's in it the people that I like so I was like eh. and so one night I just kind of was like yep I'm gonna watch this tonight so I threw it on and um it's I don't know it's weird it's a weird film I think in a way like it's not bad it's not terrible by any stretch of the imagination you know it's got some some fun kills in it and stuff and it's it, it's it's gory enough without being like over the top gory um some of the writing is not great, which I know it's not like, oh, surprise, but like, I, it's like the, I don't know. It's just kind of like, there's something about it that doesn't quite click, but it's also never like boring. Like it gets into the action right away. Yeah. Uh, you know what I mean? Like it keeps the suspense up. It's got all your prerequisites. You know, it's got your, 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 your kills. It's got people getting naked. You know, it's got, you know, dumb people doing dumb things and paying the price for it. You know, it's got some recognizable faces that I like. Um, so it's, you know, so I watch it and I think like, Oh, I remember liking it the first time and I watched it this time. And I like, cause it wasn't like I disliked it. It was just kind of like certain things about it. Like the two, the non-Jared Padalecki character that you think are boyfriend and girlfriend until like halfway through the film when the boyfriend goes off with another girl and the, and the girlfriend isn't upset about it. And you're like, Oh, I guess they're not actually a couple, but they sure seem like a couple this whole time. Like it's just some certain things that kind of don't quite click, but it's not terrible. Not great. I don't know. So it's a way to kill 90 minutes. That's about all I can say. Okay. I've not seen that one to be honest. Yeah. Why? No. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's worth watching just for the fun yeah. of it. If you're in the mood for a slasher film. I, I, yeah. I always like a bit of Jason action. Yeah, I like those movies. I've watched all the Friday Thirteenth movies a couple of times. I, I don't know. I, I like going back to them every couple of years. Cool. Yeah, I've only ever seen. I've, I've only seen one or two of them. Really? Yeah, I should. I should sit down and like uh, marathon them. I think. 
I think, uh, yeah, you know, it's funny. It's it's a pretty fun franchise to marathon. It, it kind of has its ups and downs. Like the first like three are kind of like the pure classic ones, right? Because you've got the first one, which is mostly, you know, spoilers. Everybody hasn't seen them, I guess. Uh, but there's mostly Jason's mother. The second one kind of introduces Jason. The third one introduces the hockey mask. Those are sort of your, your you know, then you've got four, five, and six, which are kind of like over the top. And But four and six to me are two of the best ones. Seven and eight, you know. Not so much. That you're getting into Jason Takes Manhattan, which is I always want to like that movie, but it is one of the worst. Yeah, movies. I know. You I mean that's one of the ones I've seen, and it's one I always feel like, oh yeah, this should be really good, but it's just not. No, it's just so low budget and like just not good. Then you got Friday, Jason Goes to Hell, which is actually kind of interesting. It doesn't entirely work, but it's an interesting idea. Um, and, and, and there's parts of it I like. And then you get into Jason X, which I, I love. I, it's I, really, I really like that one as well. It's, yeah, it's just it's so fun. ridiculous. And fun. Yeah, it is. And then you got Freddy versus Jason. But it did get me thinking about how that movie came out in uh, was it 2008, I believe. Yeah, the remake or the reboot or whatever. 2008, 2009, maybe 2009. Which is, gives me is it's been 12 years since we've seen a Friday the 13th movie. Not counting Freddy versus Jason, which may have been before that. Um, which surprises me because there was that there were there was another one in the works, a sequel to that one, because it made a decent chunk of money and something happened, it fell into development hell, and now it's been 12 years is a long yeah, time. Yeah, I think there's a, I think there's lots of licensing issues. I think two there's different yeah. different companies own different bits of it. And I think so that's it, partly what it is, but it's just funny because like in 12 years we've had like five Halloween movies, you know what I mean? Um <laughs> it's just funny that like they can't seem like it's a popular franchise, you know what I mean? If they put another one out, you're gonna if you keep your budget low you know, 15, 20 million dollars, you're guaranteed to make 50, 60 million at the box office easy. You know, you could be churning these out and making money. I just don't understand how they can't sort of get it figured out. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, Jason's one of the iconic uh, right. movie, movie maniacs, isn't he? So, right. He's one of the three iconic, you know, all time slashers, you know, Freddie, Jason and Michael Myers. So right. it's just weird to me that, that they've just been sitting on that when there's money to be made. But anyway. Yep. OK, well, my number two is uh, I'm not going to go into spoilers, but it's Marvel's Eternals. Went to see it the other week. It's been getting mixed reviews. Uh, I enjoyed it, but it's too long. Some of the dialogue is an absolute mess. But it was good seeing some of these characters I like from the uh, from the Eternals comic book. But it's it's sort of kind of like I do find the Eternals comic book as well. Sort of it never it never really caught on. It didn't. It's only got like a small hardcore group of fans. I feel, and even even when I've read some of it, I always felt like it was a bit too. I enjoyed the comics, but it always felt like it was a bit like one step away from the rest of the Marvel Universe, which I suppose is the point. Mm -hmm. But uh, some of the performances in it as well, I just feel maybe the ca either the casting wasn't quite right or the script. Mm. But it's uh, it, it looked it looked beautiful in places, and uh, it does get some of the cosmic scale. Again, I don't want to spoil things, but it's uh, yeah, I enjoyed it. I can see why people don't like it. I can see the problem, lots of the problems people are saying, but I. I did. I, I think it would have worked better with at least two movies. I mean, Marvel did do great things by introducing characters bit by bit. They could have had some of the Eternals popping up, either in the background or doing some things or reports on other in the other films, or some of the TV shows have some build up to it. So it's not just because you spend all your time being introduced to these different characters and being told about them without seeing. We do get flashbacks and things. I would have liked to have seen a film, maybe focusing on more about their past because they, they were some of the best bits when you saw them over the 7,000 years they've been on earth and mm -hmm. I, I mentioned on uh, social media said it would have probably been good to have like uh, they did with Wolverine uh, X-Men Origins and with uh, the Watchmen movie have like a really cool montage of you know through the ages showing what they've done to just 
that would have worked a lot better and probably cut the running time down mm. an awful lot. But it's, yeah, uh, it's one of those ones. It's 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 going to be linked. I think it's going to be lumped in with like Thor two and Captain Marvel and the other ones which people don't quite put up there with the other uh, Marvel movies. But it's it's definitely it's worth seeing on the big screen. I feel. Uh, because of some of these scenes which I can't go into, but yeah, that's uh, my number two, Eternals. All right. Well, I know this isn't a list where we rank our films or anything like that, but we have a tie, or uh, you know, <laughs> whatever. My number one is also the Eternals. Um, I went and saw it in the theaters just the other night too. Um, I actually really liked it. I liked it a lot. I don't. Is, is it my favorite Marvel movie? No. Do I think <laughs> it was pretty awesome? I really do. Do I, I? I. Here's what I'll say about it. Again, spoiler free, so don't worry if you haven't seen it. I am never a proponent of having to watch movies more than once in order to enjoy them. Mm -hmm. um, I definitely have people tell me, well, you just need to watch this movie a second time and then you'll understand it. And I'm like, no, I shouldn't have to watch a movie a second time to understand it. I don't think that's the Eternals. I understood it perfectly fine the first yeah, time. Yeah, yeah it, does make, it all makes sense. It all flows. My experience with Captain Marvel was actually similar, where I the first time, because the beginning is kind of purposefully ambiguous, it takes a little while to figure out what's going on. And by the end... You, you figure it all out. But then when I went to see it a second time, I absolutely loved it because I knew what was happening, right? And I disagree with people who think that Captain Marvel isn't a great film. It's one of my favorite Marvel films. I love Captain Marvel. Everyone else is wrong. But <laughs> I really like The Eternals. And I actually think it's one of those movies that's going to benefit from a second viewing because you the second time around, you'll, you'll get it. You'll know what everything means. You'll know sort of why things are happening. And so you can just sort of sit back and enjoy it more. So while I'm not saying, oh, you won't like it the first time, but you'll like it the second time, I do think a second viewing is going to make me like it even more. But I enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, not saying it's perfect, but I liked the um, I liked the characters a lot. I actually didn't have a problem with the casting. So that's interesting. Um, I thought the visuals were great. The, the, the climactic action scene, at, you know, towards the end of the film, I thought was phenomenal. Um, I, I really, I enjoyed the characters quite a bit. Um, I thought they did a good job of having so many characters to introduce to where I, I kind of knew who they all were by the end of the movie, which I think is, can be hard to do. I thought they even fit in a few of the signature good Marvel supporting characters, you know, mm -hmm. um, I thought Kumail Nanjiani was the, was the high point of the movie for me, but I'm also a huge Kumail Nanjiani fan. So not a big surprise, but I know it's getting mixed reviews. I'm a little disappointed in that. I know some people are kind of watching it and aren't loving it, but I really liked it. And I, I honestly can't wait to see it again. Cause I think I'm going to love it even more. I think it's going to probably, climb up higher on my list of Marvel favorites, um, you know, when I see it a second time, but, but I enjoyed it a lot. So that's my number one uh, was the Eternals. That's the most recent movie I watched. And that's the one I, I really enjoyed. I enjoyed it quite a bit. So cool. Cool. Yeah. No, no everything you say, valid. I like to, I, I think uh, the casting, I think, I think the trouble is, I think a little bit with the script or, cause I think the two like Cersei and, and uh, Icarus, they were like the two. I, I felt their chemistry didn't quite work for me. I felt there's more chemistry between Druig and Makari. Mm. That kind of thing going on as well. I thought Makari, the speeds when she uh, we, we got to finally see her and the scene she was doing it was that was really good speeds to scenes and things like that. Yeah, yeah. I did have a friend of mine point out the the, the Marvel really who that, you know he 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 mentioned that he he felt Marvel has struggled with diversity in the past and that this movie really did work well with that. Right, you had yeah, yeah. you know. Um, an Asian person, you had an African-American person, you had a gay person, you had a deaf person, you know, like there was definitely a lot of representation in the film. And I'm sure that's part of the reason some people don't like it, um, you know, but 
I liked that part about it. And I thought it didn't, it didn't feel forced to me. It felt very organic because you had such a large cast, you know, of these people who have been here, you know, on this planet for thousands of years that it's not all going to just be a bunch of, you know, white folks, you know, um, yeah, yeah. I thought yeah. that was cool, but I thought it was interesting for sure. And well, I, I, love, I, loved, I loved finally seeing more of the Celestials as well. I thought yeah, that, was cool. that was amazing. It was really yeah. good. Um, I will say Gemma Chan has jumped up to the list of my people. I might be slightly in love with uh, as well. <laughs> she played Cersei and I thought she was awesome. So, okay. Excellent. Okay. Well, my number one is another film from 2021. It's Liam Neeson film. So again, mm. it's kind of, but it was The Marksman. I watched it uh, yesterday with my mum and dad. It was my dad's birthday. Was that yesterday? What day are we on? Yeah. Today is Tuesday. Yeah. yeah, Tuesday. Yeah, yeah. I watched it last night, and it was it was really good because you I mean lots of uh, Liam Neeson film that's sort of like he's the he's the action kind of hero, and I think this one was kind of marketed that way. But he's like an old, he's an old older guy he's, he's working on a ranch on the border with mexico and this this woman and her kid uh get a coyote to show them the way to get over to uh over the border because the cartel are after them and things happen and he ends up trying to help them but he's it's not just like a big action thing he's not kicking ass because he's an old guy but he used to be and he was a marine he's a good sniper uh, but that doesn't really play into it much until obviously a bit more near the end but it's just it's him getting to know this uh the kid as well and it's, it reminded me of a perfect world the uh kevin costner clint eastwood film uh-huh. really, really had this it was more like a relaxed well it's quite tense as well though but it's, it was just like a, like a road more like a road movie as opposed to an action movie but it, even like the bad guy in it you even started even though he does terrible things and he's a terrible person once you realize what's going on as well you start going Oh, you, you almost feel sorry for him. Then obviously it does something and you're going, oh no, but it's just, you can, you understand kind of why he's the way he is. But it's, yeah, it was, I was genuinely surprised by it. I really enjoyed it. And it was, uh, yeah, it was worth a watch. And that's on one of the streaming channels, but it's The Marksman. So I, it's not one of the five most recent films I've seen, but I did watch it when it came out on home video. I, when I reviewed it and I really liked it. I agree with you. It, it's a really good film. It's, it's interesting. It's not an action film per se, but it has some action in it, but it's kind of like an action drama, you know, yeah, yeah, remind yeah. me of a perfect world. It's almost, it also kind of felt like if Gran Torino had been a good movie, um, <laughs> as opposed to being Gran Torino, which everyone just thinks is a good movie, I guess, um, uh, in that sort of respect. But I, I agree with you. I, I thought Liam Neeson's performance was really good. I thought the blend of the action, and the drama was great. Like it was enough to keep you kind of interested. It never got boring, but it also had plenty of character development yeah, um, yeah. And, and made you care about the characters. You know, it also managed to be timely without being preachy, which I loved. Um, I it's a really good film, underrated, highly underseen. Uh, definitely worth checking out, though. Some amazing have... cinematography as well, especially yeah. when you're near the beginning where you see the desert, just the scale of it. You get you just get mm-hmm. the real sense of scale and you know the fact there's you know the big sky country yeah. and things like that. Yeah, and I thought it does a nice job of of giving you kind of the the ending. Not to spoil, I'm not spoiling anything. You know, it doesn't it doesn't go in a bunch of unrealistic places. I thought, you know what I mean. Um, you know, there's so many different ways to take a movie like that, and I felt like it it kept things realistic. Like you were never at any point like like oh come on, that's ridiculous. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you all you, you throughout the film, you were kind of like all right, I see where this is going, or I think I see where this is going, or maybe it's not going the way I think it's going. And and you know, I felt like the choices they made were all good ones. You know, solid real world choices, not things that you're like, well, isn't that just you know Hollywood being Hollywood? You know, so I liked it. I liked it very much. Good, good, good. Uh, I'm glad you watched it. 
Yeah, and it was good as well. Catherine Winnick was in it. I thought she was great. Yes, she was terrific. Uh, I really liked her in it, for sure. And I still think she should have been Captain Marvel. But anyway, here we go. Brie Larson is excellent as Captain Marvel. I don't understand people. Okay, R Richard Brown weighs in. Um with some with his top five most most recent movies he's seen, I'm gonna I'm gonna put this on screen. I'm not gonna read every uh, thing. I don't wanna I don't wanna give some one one or two comments might be mildly spoilish spoilerish, but not really. But number five was No Time to Die, which we talked about. Loved I loved it. Number four, The Guilty. Interesting that that came up in a conversation the other day. It's a new Netflix film with Jake Gyllenhaal. Guilty of being a tad bit predictable. Um, I haven't watched it yet, but I saw the original movie. It's based on a Danish movie. Yeah, yeah. And I watched that a couple of years ago when it came out. So it's put me off of watching The Guilty only because I know. It's going to happen um but i'll get around to it black and blue uh from 2019 smart and punchy indie thriller agreed really good with um is it naomi harris Na yes naomi harris yeah really good kind of action uh suspense film about a cop kind of on the run from other cops I, I really enjoyed that one good 1917 just stunning he says yep good one i, I enjoyed yeah. 1917 as well and then army of thieves the sort of a prequel to army of the dead or whatever that movie is called right army of the dead Army me the dead yeah yeah the uh, Zack Snyder film. Um, I just saw that pop up out of nowhere. Surprised me on Netflix. I haven't watched it yet, but it's very high on my queue. So. I've, I've seen it. I really enjoyed Army of Thieves. Oh, and I, I enjoyed it more than Army of the Dead. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, well, that's... I can see, I mean, different kind, kinds of films, sort of, although not, but... Yeah, it does, it does have... You do see the links starting with the, the Army right. of the Dead. I really like the main character. He's my favorite bit in... One of my favorite bits from Army yes. of the Dead as well. Yes, he was but definitely one of the best parts. He directed it as well, I think. Oh, oh really? I didn't realize that. Okay, cool. Yeah. And it, doesn't have, it doesn't have the Zack Snyder out of focus right. feel, so you can actually right. see what's going on. And, and that's you know, nice, clear, very cool. Well, that, good list, that was good, list. A good list. Thanks for sharing that, Richard. All right, cool, cool, cool. I think some good stuff there. I and mean, he did also say he's adding some of them to his, his watch list, so I'm glad. I hope you enjoy some of the ones that we've so our work here is done. Let's go. Um, oh. <laughs> You are right, except we have one more mini section to get through. This one will be quick. We won't take, take up too much more of your time, guys, but we got one more thing for those of you who are interested, and it is our ATE recommend section. What are we enjoying right now? So, Phil, do you want to kick us off? Yes, I've got Here one. It was a game it. I kickstarted. I'm not sure whether I've actually – I've got two things. I'm not sure whether I've mentioned this before. You know, it's one of those ones when I grabbed it and went, oh, but it's uh, Kabuto Sumo. Have I done this before? No, you have not. Anyway. Because I don't – it was. Hang on, let me put you in solo. Oh yeah, let me let me put you in solo so our viewers can see it better. Hold it up again. Okay, Kabuto Sumo. It's basically you're a bunch of you're playing a, a beetle having a sumo wrestling match, but it's that's what it is. It's all lovely wooden discs. The yeah. coloured ones are your beetles, cool. and you push on a new disc each time. It's like the things you see in fun fairs where you. Yeah. Coins in. And right, any right. that get knocked off get added to your pot and you can push them over. And then if you knock the opponents off, and each beetle has a different special ability, which usually means you get a bigger thing, as you can see those there. Right. Where are we there? But it's yeah, it's lots of fun. Nice easy one to just set up and play. And that looks really fun. I'll well. check that one out. I yeah, like that. Uh, yeah, I got on Kickstarter, but I think it's out for sale now cool. for retail. Yeah, and the other one is I DM'd at my local game store. I I Regular viewers will know I am I'm a dungeon master for a group of friends. I've been running an adventure for five years, a big campaign. But the local game store near me called Bulwark Games, uh, they wanted somebody to run an intro session for Dungeons & Dragons. So uh, I was quite excited. It went really well. People enjoyed it. But I got this little it's a little adventure called Beneath the Keep, uh, oh. part of 5th edition fantasy, number 14. 
uh, and it's a great little adventure. It's only 16 pages, but it's got everything you need. It's laid out really well. It's a good little adventure uh, involving role-playing, investigation, combat. The, the players are trying to investigate the disappearance of a shopkeeper. Uh, it's also a good jump uh, starting point for a campaign if you wanted to do so. But it's uh, yeah, it's a level one as well. So if you're looking to start being uh, running uh, an adventure, that's a good one to to go. Uh, I want to check out some of the other ones they do in the series, but that's uh, Beneath the Keep, fifth edition fantasy. Yep, so that's mine. Very cool. I like it. I'm definitely interested in playing that uh, that sumo game. That's oh, it's really real good fun. I think it's up to four players. Cool. Yeah, two to four players takes about fifteen to twenty minutes a game. I like it. All right. Well, I have two also, but it won't take too long. Let me go ahead and show them. First one is, hang on. So there we go. Now I did. my computer's lagging, so I just entered and then exited the mode so you guys can see it. The first one is this, Catwoman Lonely City. Um, this is one of the new prestige format books, the square bound from DC's Black Label, which has been hit or miss. Uh, this copy is autographed by Cliff Chang, who, who wrote oh, it like him. drew it. Um, He's fantastic. And I have to say, my level of fandom for him jumped up about 20 notches after reading this. This is just the first issue. It's all that's out so far. Hands down, the best comic I read in all of 2021. I mean, it is amazing. Ooh. First of all, the artwork is just absolutely gorgeous. The colors, I mean, there's Catwoman, right? They're gorgeous. The story is phenomenal. It's, it takes place in the future where Catwoman is, um, you know, Batman's basically gone. Catwoman is old. She's just getting out of jail. Uh, she comes back to the city. Two-Face is now the mayor. Um and there's a whole story beyond that. It's it's just, it, it, it's beautiful. The story was just gripping. I could not turn the pages fast enough. I think it is absolutely brilliant. I, I hope the next, I think it's three issues total. I hope the next two issues live up to this first one because like I said, hands down, the best single comic I read all year, all year. It, it is utterly fantastic. Track it down at your local comic shop. You will not regret it. Cool. I'm writing that down as we speak. Yes, you will definitely enjoy it. The other recommendation... A little self-serving, but it's red, white, and broke, which is on Kickstarter right now. Um, for those of you guys, what, what's you, that about, Mike? That? <laughs> Here's the thing: if you like the sequels we come up with in the show, if you like the stories we come up with, that means you probably like my writing because my endings I come up with them, right? So you might like my comic book, Red, White, and Broke. It's on Kickstarter until November 18th. This is a lovely homage cover that's available. It's an homage to X-Men 141, The Days of the Past. Uh, we have comics. We have the whole four-issue miniseries available. We have signed prints by Russ Brown, the artist of the boys. We have variant covers, regular covers. There's like 25-plus artwork rewards for original artwork collectors. Um, and it's a fun superhero comedy about a superhero who tries to kickstart his superheroics because he's flat broke. What more could you ask for? So if you like the show and you're a regular listener and you think like, hey, I enjoy listening to Mike and Phil talk. They're fun guys. Then you probably would like my comic because it is basically like me in comic book form. Um, it's my voice coming through. I think if you like what I do on this show, you'll like that one. So shameless plug, admittedly, I know, but I've only got like nine days left in the Kickstarter. We are fully funded, but we're trying to reach some stretch goals. So check it out. You can, again, through November 18th, you can just go on Kickstarter and search for Red, White, and Broke or search for Mike Spring, and either one of those should bring you to it. And the campaign, the current campaign is for issues one through four, the complete miniseries. So those are yes. my recommendations. And I've read the first two issues, and it's very good. I, uh, As I, you know, I'm based in England. Mike's over in the States, so the uh, shipping and things, is if it's too much for you, you can get them in PDF form as well. And the mm -hmm. PDF looks gorgeous as well, and it's just, yeah, I recommend it. It's only four issues. 
it's uh support your independent comic book creator who's that guy <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> thank you i appreciate that phil very much um so there you go so those are our recommendations um definitely excited to try that game definitely read catwoman the lonely city you guys will love it and uh there you go so all right and there, there it is so that was a lively and spirited chat i think phil uh i enjoyed it i hope you did too. Yeah, me too me too um and uh and richard brown put a comment and i don't understand what it means oh thieves better than dead i <laughs> saying the army of thieves was better than army of the dead that one took me a second richard to, yeah, <laughs> to translate but yeah, but I, moved on a little bit yeah. i got it now um well, I will probably agree with you guys once I watch it. It's it'll be probably by the end of this week I'm going to get to it. So, all right. If you like heist movies? Uh, well, that's going to start to wrap us up. Yeah, if you like heist movies, that's that's what it is. I so I'm I'm looking forward to it. I do like heist <laughs> movies actually. So, um, all right, that is going to wrap, wrap us up though. Uh, we've been talking to you guys long enough. We will be back in a couple of weeks. Um, but as always, uh, we greatly appreciate you guys tuning in, whether you're watching us live on video or listening to the podcast or watching the video replay on YouTube or some other channel. Um, it's always great to have people checking us out and, and listening to us talk about movies. So there we go. All right. Yeah. So in between now and the next episode, if there's any films you'd like us to go after the ending that we haven't already done, we, we might forget if we have or not because we've done quite a few now. You can always get in touch with us on Facebook, Twitter, or uh, or whatever, and let us know. Just give us some suggestions, uh, top five lists, whatever. Just get in touch. Yeah, love. Always, always like to hear the suggestions. All right, then that's going to do it for now. So as always, thank you very much for listening. I'm Mike Spring, and I'm Phil Edwards, and we'll see you next time after the ending.